Sales Tuners, Episode 71. John Jackson, Director of Sales at Connect and Sell. I don't send out emails unless I'm sending out a proposal or a request for information. Or, and I don't you leave voicemails unless it, you know the person's just gone dark on me and I figure, well, maybe I'll get their attention this way. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown. The only weekly show where we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that get sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. It's time. It's time. It's sales sooner's time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Socrates, who said, let him who would move the world first move himself. Today, I'm joined by John Jackson, Director of Sales at Connect and Sell, the solution for accelerating your pipeline with more live conversations. John describes himself as a true hunter, and no, I don't mean of animals. As a 30-year software sales veteran, John aggressively goes after new business and has led teams at three different companies. The only thing John has more experience in than sales would be his marriage, having been with his beautiful bride for 41 years. Before we dive in, I want to give a New Year's shout out to five-star iTunes reviewer Focus Plan IT, who said, Jim's show provides powerful and actionable information for anyone in the sales business. With a full lineup of successful sales professionals, the show brings insight, experiences, and ideas. I've pushed the show to the top of my priority list for listening on a weekly basis and look forward to every episode. I absolutely love hearing that. Thank you so much. Shoot me an email. I'd love to send you the sales book of your choice or one of our brand new Sales Tuners t-shirts. One last note, my microphone had some minor issues during this conversation and you might hear some static that I didn't realize until after the recording was done. Fortunately, our focus is always on the guest, so you shouldn't notice it that much. All right. Make sure you stick around to the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com slash 71. But now let's get to the conversation where John talks about how a subscription to National Geographic magazine ultimately brought him to the United States. In my early days, uh, I went to a school called Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, which was the, of course, American School of Lima. And uh, and my, I had some good buddies that were uh, in their freshman year, sophomore year of uh, high school in Lima, were heading off to prep school in the States, and they caught my fancy. And I used to, uh, my parents used to subscribe to National Geographic magazine, and in the back uh, of the magazine, there was a list of private schools in uh, the United States. And I thought, what a cool idea. And my buddies are going, I'd like to do that. So I talked my parents into shipping me to a private school, Mercilsburg Academy in Pennsylvania in uh, my junior year. So I spent my last two years of high school at Mercilsburg. I felt that to be successful in life, I had to have uh, be educated in the United States, although I had great education in Lima because most of my teachers were fuller, full bright scholars that would come down for two years, which was in itself a problem because they'd be down for two years and be gone. So uh-huh. teacher turnover was a challenge. And I thought, what I really need is a little more consistent, you know, study by teachers. So I ended up at a, you know, outstanding prep school in Pennsylvania. 
That's really cool. I, I, I seriously love stories like that. I think it's fascinating, John. Uh, that, it's just awesome. Now, as you know, in this show, we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that have led to your success. And you've already started to allude to a few of these, but I want to talk about your sales process today first. What is Connect and Sell, and, and why does a typical customer buy from you? Connect and Sell is a very interesting dialing platform. It's a patented idea that I equated to an Uber service for salespeople in that with Uber, you request a car be sent to your location. With Connect to Sell, you request a conversation to be sent to your phone. And so it's an on-demand system that basically totally on demand that a rep can talk to, to somebody on their list every two to five minutes without having to make any dials. But what it, the end result is that it enables a sales rep to be 10 times more productive than having to dial manually. I have been familiar with Connect and Sell for many years now. I have never heard it called Uber for sales conversations, but that is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I think that needs to be the lead on, on your website now when I, when I go back and see it. But so talk to me about that. You, you, you're trying to make reps 10 times more effective because they're not having to dial the phone. I hear reps every single day, John, tell me that no one answers the phone anymore, but literally that's what your product does. Help me understand that. What's really going on and, and, and is the phone still a big piece of the prospecting puzzle? Well, I think it's the total piece. I don't send out emails unless I'm sending out a proposal or a request for information, or and I don't leave voicemails unless it, you know the person's just gone dark on me and I figure, well, maybe I'll get their attention this way. I'm using the phone, our system, two hours a day between meetings. Give you an idea, I average five to six scheduled calls per day, and my goal is to have 15 to 20 conversations with my key targets every day. So I'm driving a very high level of activity in a very efficient way because I have connected cell. To your earlier point, Jim, about getting people to pick up the phone, which yes, that's why we're successful. It's a numbers game. Here's a typical, some interesting stats. Connected cells delivered over 40 million dials over the last 10 years, and made 40 million dials, delivered 2 million conversations to over 1,000 customers. And what we see is it takes 25 dials to get somebody to pick up a call on an unscheduled call. And on average, it takes up to buy 500 conversations to secure a meeting. So connect to sell, we're making multiple dials. That's where our patents are. And it's each dial is being handed to an actual person we call an expert navigator. Their sole job is to navigate the phone tree. However, whoever picks up the phone first, all my navigator is doing is validating it's Bob Smith, let's say, not Bob Jones. They don't talk to Bob. It's all done fast. They transfer that call immediately within less than 200 milliseconds to the rep. Let's say it's to me. I'm in front of a monitor dialed into the connected cell phone bridge. I said, hey, Bob, this is John Jackson with connected cell. I know this is an interruption in your day. It's the first call. Can I have 27 seconds to explain the reason for my call? That's my script. I love that, 27 seconds. Yep. Not 28, 27. John, this is not just a uh, you know a commercial for uh, connect and sell, although, like I said, a big fan of the product. So I want to talk just about you specifically. Take me way back. You, you haven't always been the person that you are today. How did you actually even get started in sales? Well, it's interesting. I, uh, I, was, uh, I went to Miami University in Ohio. One summer break, I spent it up in Cleveland, Ohio. 
the university is in Oxford. So I went all the way up north. I had met a girl and so on. And I couldn't find work. So I'm looking through the papers. In the world of business, there's always a sales job available. I came across an ad to sell pots and pans, waterless cooking. That was new technology in the day for cooking. And I thought, that's kind of interesting. And it was a commission job. And they talked about all this great money you can make if you close one or two deals. I thought, well, I need cash. So I took on a job uh, trying to uh, sell door-to-door pots and pans. And believe it or not, I actually really failed at it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. What, what, uh, I'm not I, the, the type that closes hard. I'm, uh, I, I believe in building long-term relationships. And when you sell pots and pans, you don't, you don't make a living with that kind of approach. So I failed at it. So I was never going to get into sales. My major in college was business economics. And uh, so when I graduated, and, and, you know, sales never came to mind. However, after I did a, a stint in the, uh, for my basic training in the Army, I ended up uh, in Chicago looking for work after basic training. And those days, you called them employment agencies. The employment agency guy I met, kind of a charismatic guy, he says, what do you want to do? I said, well, anything but sales. <laughs> he says, really? Why is that? I said, well, so I, I told him the story about my failure selling pots of bads. So he said, well, let me put it this way, John. Industrial selling, you're not selling pots and pans. Totally different kind of sales. I said, well, I don't believe that. He says, well, let me let me get you a couple interviews and let's see what they think. So anyway, I land. that was how I got back into sales. I landed a job with a company called Formica Corporation as a missionary sales guy with a small bonus plan and a car. And I figured, well, what the heck? I'll, I'll take that job. They're giving me a salary, a car, and a bonus plan if I... Help the office make the numbers. And that's where I got my start and my taste for getting back into sales. And then um, they moved me from Chicago to L.A. to Cincinnati, which was a corporate office. But I wasn't making enough money. I was always driven by improving myself and making more income. I ended up in the Bay Area and landed a job with a company called Bull & Babbage in Sunnyvale, California. And I set up the sales office in San Francisco in the Wharfside building. And the rest is history. Well, I was going to say, it sounds a lot better than that first uh, 100% commission only to go from that to having a salary and a car and, and all that good stuff. So, and now you've been all across the country. You've led teams. But here's the, you told me, you know, you were going to hang it up. You went after your last company, you were going to hang it up. You're going to retire. But here you are 10 years later, still at Connect and Sell, you know, leading the sales team here. You can be playing golf all day, every day. What are you doing? I am working my butt off every day. I average five to six scheduled calls. Yesterday, I had eight. And I'm making calls. I mean, I guess the secret to success, I think in anything you do, I love sales. I have always had a, although I've been a VP of sales, I've been, I enjoyed that. But I, my heart's been in sales. And I had a real passion for it. And when this opportunity came up, the whole idea of, you know, the system that was going to do all the dialing for me, and all I had to do is talk to people caught my attention. I thought, what the heck? I'll give it a whirl. I could last maybe six months at it or a year at it. And I've done extremely well. I've, you know, I do three to four million in revenues a year off connected cell. That's simply incredible. And like I said, you could be playing golf, but you just love the game. You can't get yeah. away from it. So, and, yeah, and I mean exactly. the sales game at that point. Yeah. John, you, you know, in the, in the intro, I described you and, and you describe yourself as a true hunter. And it seems to me that that type of salesperson is a dying breed. Most of the reps that I, I talk to today and I interact with, they want marketing and, and or, or SDRs to just deliver 
prospects to them, but not just prospects, prospects who have their credit card out and are ready to buy. What is going on in the world? Well, I think what's I think uh, you know the pendulum swimming uh, swinging uh, back to the conversation world, and I think those that don't get on that wagon are going to lose out because automation has taken over a lot of the basic stuff that's involved with sales. So you're going to have to know how to talk to people on the phone in an intelligent, business-like way, professional way to be successful. The day of you know hiding behind email, voicemail, and I think even social media. As the sole way of doing business is will be there for the for the future too, but I don't think to the same intensity that it's been in the past. Uh, I've always been of the school that it, you know you have to in the business to business world, unless you're selling a commodity, you've got to get on the phone or in front of people. But the phone's becoming more of an acceptable way because nobody has time to meet in person to get the you know to make sales happen and. Uh, the leveraging the phone gives you over first, you know, in, in person sales is also is far far exceeds the you know the face to face sales I believe uh, with exceptions of course, but I think um, the problem today is everybody's getting inundated with email, with voicemail, with requests for trade show attendance, requests of webinars and uh, read my blog and all that that um, they're shutting down. So how do you do business? How do you sell to you know as a business? How do how do you get uh, involved? So I think the salespeople are going to have to realize, in spite of the fact that they're being fed leads, they're being fed contacts, uh, that the the social media approach has its limitation. I'd hate to put my quota on the line through a social media approach. So to your point, I think they're going to have to get people have to wake up to the fact that. If they don't get on the phone, they don't talk to people, they're not going to last. I mean, that's my belief anyway. I feel like you're going to make some enemies of the social selling uh, army that's out there, but yeah. I tend to agree with you. Um, I know that when I can connect to a human being on the phone, uh, I'm going to have a lot better chance of just blasting them with emails all day long. It, it's it's funny to me, you know, because I, I, I'm I'm 35. I've I've led a sales team as a VP of sales, and I've been a, a, a enterprise sales rep. And I did. I did a lot of stuff by email, and I and I wanted those warm leads delivered by marketing, and you know, I wanted those types of things at that point. But now, as I sit here, just running my own company. Right now today, and I've told the reps that I work with from a coaching perspective this, I have probably 60 to 70 emails in my inbox that are starred or flagged for follow-up yep. already. And so if you send me, and you're a client, you send me an email today, it's hard for me to get back to you as a client. And I want to get back to you. And so you know, I, I've, I've talked to some of these guys and they will they'll send an email and then they'll send an email the next day, say, hey, did you get my email? They'll send an email the next day, say, hey, you know, and, and the first email, if you sent it and it was very thought provoking, I may actually start or flag it to say, hey, you know what? There's something here. I want to get back with this guy, but it may take me a week to do that. And if you've now bombarded my email box with 10 other messages between now and then, I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I, I just don't have the time for this. Now, here's the other thing uh, on the targeting of, of accounts. How do you know that target is the right target? And how do you know what targets you're missing? Because you're so focused on these top 10 or top 50 targets, right? And have you got the right people to talk to? Unless until you have a conversation, you really don't know. They might have the right title, they might be in the right department, have the same right function. But the way that company is has their organization set up, the title is familiar, but the responsibility 
you know, is different than what you might think, right? And you don't know that until you talk to that person. So, well, and so that's kind of my worry, though. And again, this is not a commercial for connecting cell. I want to hear just from your experience, but it is kind of one of my worries with this system that you're talking about is I could quickly burn through the data that I have. You said I don't need a big list, but if I only got 40 prime contacts that I know this is the person I want to talk to, uh-huh. and I burn through that, I, I, I'm kind of SOL, right? For a while, like help me out and help me better understand that. Well, no, that, I, that's a good concern. I mean, that's my that's my target list. I have like forty targets that I'm working on that represent the last thirty, what I call my last thirty day list, forty to fifty targets. However, not every or not the forty or fifty warm leads, as it were, pick up. Only five might pick up, seven might pick up. On a good day, eight might pick up, or a good day in my case, a good hour, right? So mm-hmm. I run them through again, but I also continue to sprinkle that list with new targets. So it's not yeah. it's not a finite list to you know your point. So if you're saying, well, for the first call, yeah, if you're looking at just the first call, yeah, you'll burn through it very fast. If you do look look at it as a strategic play, where you you know that uh, first call results in a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth call. I mean, that's the school I'm from. I don't give up on somebody until they say, John, I've left the company. I'm out of business. Uh, if they say I have no budget, no interest, that doesn't mean they're not going to have a budget and no interest six months from now. So they're back on my list. <laughs> so, Yeah, I love that you said that's the school that I'm from because that doesn't exist today uh, with, with most of the reps that I'm talking to because if they call them once and they don't connect with them, no, they, they're not interested anymore. They're, exactly. It's a deadly like. What in the world, as a marketing organization, we just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on that trade show. What do you mean you called them one time? Uh, Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I want to get back to these numbers. The numbers you just shared with me, uh, you said it's taking you or what you guys are seeing is 25 dials uh, to get one conversation and up to 500 conversations to get one meeting. So if I'm doing the math correctly, that's 20 I'm sorry. Yeah. So 20 conversations to one meeting. Is that about right? What you guys are saying? Yeah, exactly. And that number gets even more pushed out. If you're dealing uh, with customers in the focus on Fortune 500, it might take 2000 dials Mm -hmm. to get there. I have one client, I'm thinking about this right now, I have one client who uh, they call into universities and universities are notorious for having that phone tree. And even once you navigate the phone tree, actually getting the right person on the line is just, it's completely hit or miss. And so I'm totally seeing some some applicability for there because these reps are spending a huge amount of their time literally just pushing buttons to get through that phone tree for the initial call. Once they get through the initial call, then they're having some some better success, but uh, I can see that. Yeah. I, you know, you've been great, John, at opening up even really big accounts. And so, again, outside of your platform, you've opened up you know large enterprise accounts, Fortune 500 accounts, Bank of America's one. I know you're relentless, but talk to me about the strategy. How are you opening up such large accounts? And maybe it's part of what I learned from the, my pots and pans sales day where I failed. Is that for me to even get a a meeting or introduction? I actually had to do some searching of potential prospects, right? On my own. In this day and age, marketing provides all that, That's right. right? That's right. But I today, even today, I still do a lot of prospecting. In spite of the fact that marketing sends me leads, I'm still doing prospect on my own. So how do I come up with those key accounts? They're, 
you know, I've sold uh, my job with Bull and Babbage was at that time was selling to, into the, you know, the big uh, IBM mainframe shops, which was the, there were about 5,000 companies that um, during the time I was with Bull and Babbage and Cato, they had IBM mainframes, big com computers at that time. And so I would just, you know, prospect, uh, you know, I'd go out, I'd go to the library. I bought a book from a company called Applied Computer Research that listed all the um, big names out in the Bank of America's insurance companies, everybody who had a IBM mainframe and the head of IT, they call them IT directors and IT managers and so on. And they'd provide a company number. And I used to just cold call into that. And I was persistent. First time I'd get a secretary, maybe, you know, a gatekeeper. And I said, can I talk to Bill? Well, Bill's not available. What's the purpose of the call? I said, well, this is, you know, I'm just what I do. So persistence, perseverance, I guess that's the word, right? Yeah. So you, you said a lot there, but you also glossed over some stuff. So I want to div, dive into that a little bit. One of the things that you said that I loved is that you you went out and you bought your own data. You did your own research. You you found how to get into these play, people on your own. I was with a client this morning, John, and, he, and one of the reps said to me, you know what? I just, I need someone to give me better data sources. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like it's literally your job to come up with this data. And if you're not being given enough by marketing, if you're not being given enough by the company, guess what? Go get it on your own. And I don't care if that means you have to work, you know, four or five hours after the working hours, get it on your own. I don't care if that means you need to uh, go to Upwork or Fiverr or whatever and pay for research to be done for you. Like if you're going to get paid commission, earn the darn commission. It just blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I've never understood that either, Jim. I, uh, I come from the school that uh, I view a sales job like opening a store. Mm -hmm. you don't it's open it's store, your business. Guess what? You don't sell any product, right? That's right. That's right. It's, it's your business. I, there was a job uh, to, I guess it would have been two companies ago for me. I literally hired a personal assistant on my own. So outside the company, I paid this person $15 an hour for 20 hours a week that I contracted with them because I knew in my system, if I had them do this one very specific task, if they could just do that, I could sell more. And that money that I was spending $300 a week on this person, I was making back in spades, you know, on the, on the commission side. And it was a total investment that I was worth doing. But like, again, I'm just not seeing it. There's no hunger. Uh, anymore. They just want these things handed to them. So anyway, uh, I'm going to get off that uh, soapbox a little bit. I know I'm in... <laughs> but I'm with you. I've always, I, I, yeah. I just don't get it. I don't get it. Is you know, and they get paid well. It's not like they're underpaid. Right. It's not like a, you know, blue collar job. It's it's a real job. It's you know, it's a job that has a lot. If you if you put in the you know the time and the energy and beyond what the company is delivering, guess what? You might. Do very well at it. You're in sales because you want to make a lot of money. You're not in sales because you just want to, you know, a job where you're clocking in and clocking out, right? So that's right. And when you say they get paid good money, these people, are, these sales reps today, they're getting paid great base salaries. Oh, yeah. right. Oh yeah, great base salaries, and and then commission on top of that. So it's 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 definitely frustrating. One of the things I think that you you glossed over. I'd love to just have you dive into a little bit. You know, you said, hey, you know, first time I call, I get the secretary as ask if Bill's in. Uh, and then, you know, I just keep being persistent. Give me, again, some of those strategies. I know you're using Connect and Sell today internally, but take me back uh, in, in the day. How, what were the strategies? What were the tactics? What were some of the scripts that you were using to actually get Bill on the phone? 
I think, first of all, I've already, I've, I have this drive. So it's like, I'm not going to accept no as a, as a yes. Uh, I'm going to find, you know, I'm going to figure out how to get to the person. So let's say I, I'm dealing with a gatekeeper that's just not letting me in. So I, I become creative as to who in IT in those days and data processing in those days or what have you can get me a intro, a referral. So guess what? I back off of trying to get to the, what's the CIO today, comparable, get back to the manager of data, you know, of uh, storage, the manager of security, what have you, and work it that way to get into, can I get an intro to the, to the chief security officer, chief information officer? So I try to find a path. If one path doesn't work, I try to open up another path. And I've been very, very good at that. Uh, if you get just stymied by one path and you say, well, there's no way I'm going to get to that person, hey, you're not going to make it. So you have to be creative in sales, I believe, and, uh, you know, outgoing enough that you're willing to take the next step in a friendly, professional way to try to get that right person's attention. So what, what kind of messaging, uh, John, are you using with those people? Are you literally just asking them those types of questions? Oh, yeah, that you, I just ask. I'm, I'm, in that regard, I'm pretty straightforward. I'm, I just say, you know, you know, who do you report to and who makes the decision and who's got the budget? And uh, and then I say, is, uh, can we set up a call with them? Or can we have the next call that we schedule for ourselves? Could we have this Bill Smith or Bob Smith join that call? What's John, you again, you've done this for a long time. You've you've led teams. You've been an individual contributor. You're just actively hunting still today yep. uh, when you could be retired playing golf. What's the biggest thing that you think is holding salespeople back from hitting their goals? I think the lack of perseverance and focus, desire. There's a study made many years ago, and I still remember to this day, that IBM did of its salespeople. And there was some, only a very small percent, like in the, you know, not even, you know, let's say the top 10, we'll keep it simple. They really made it to the top of the top of the ladder in terms of success. They had others that would reach close to that 10% or 90% top, to the top. And then it fall back into an average role. And it, they figured out it was a personality thing, an emotional thing, if I may say that, where they were not comfortable being having that exposure as being leaders and succeeders in the top echelon. So I think it's a mindset. Do you really want that badly enough? And if you do, there's, you know, there's certain things you're going to have to put your deal with exposure, expectation, or are you satisfied with a status quo and you're not going to drive yourself to that level because you don't want to, you know, stand out, I guess is the word. So I think it has to do with mindset, attitude, really what you want. And uh, I've always wanted the top. So that's why I think, I believe that's one reason why I've been, been you know, very successful doing what I've been doing. It's always funny to me, the timing that I have some of these conversations just last week when I was with some of my clients, I was talking about this same concept of mindset. And it's like, when you level up in your life, it's going to bring you new sets of, as you said, exposure and expectations that are required for you to stay at that level. And if you're not careful, you'll have your former peers be the ones trying to pull you back down to their level or you truly succeed and you kind of launch your career forward. But it, it, it's hard and it can be very hard if you don't have, as you said, that right mindset. 
John, I think that's a, a perfect place for me to take a quick break so that I can say thank you to my sponsors. But when we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away. And sales tuners, you don't go away either. We'll be right back. You've heard me talk about them for a couple of months now, but you have to check out Costello. It's a deal management platform that aligns frontline sales reps, managers, and VPs so they can work together to consistently close more deals. They help reps get the right deal information from prospects, give reps and managers visibility into the quality of every deal, and help sales leaders understand what's working and what's not. Check it out at andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. We're back, and it's time for the money round. John, are you ready for the money round? I am. Here we go. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? I think it's my drive, my desire to be successful, and to make a, a great living for myself and my family. If you were to start over today in sales, what would you tell yourself to spend the next 30 days doing? Gosh, I'd repeat what I've done. I would get uh, very focused, expect to put in some good, long, quality days to get the results, set my goals for the next 30 days in terms of what I want to achieve and go after them. Two-part question for you here. Which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? I love to win because win wins the accolades, that wins the financial rewards and the I guess, the envy of your uh, peers. What's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? Probably Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. Sales tuners, if you'd like to check out John's suggestion of Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich for free, head on over to salestuners.com slash book. And there you can sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book. And I will tell you, Think and Grow Rich is a very, very quick listen if you get it on Audible. So highly recommend that one. John, what's currently at the top of your bucket list? Currently, it is the move, the forthcoming move from Thousand Oaks, California to Eagle, Idaho. My grandkids have, uh, and parents, of course, uh, decided to move here in September. And we came here uh, to help them move in, and it caught our attention in a big way. So such that it was that we put our house on the market, and uh, we're trying to sell it out to make the move. John, what's the biggest piece of advice you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? They should not rely on others. They should uh, be driven to uh, be focused and uh, exceed their whatever their goals are to exceed those and not just their own assigned goals by their manager, but their own personal goals. And they'll, they find that if they exceed their personal goals, they'll achieve great results in life. I've often heard it said, what was old is new again. And I just love John's old school approach and how it continues to work brilliantly in today's world. John said the best way to connect with him is directly by email, john.jackson at connectandsell.com or on LinkedIn. Let's get to my top takeaways. Number one, blaze a different path. I'm a big proponent of starting outreach as high as you can in an organization. However, when you can't reach that person, you have to try a different approach. Figure out who the direct reports are for the person you ultimately want to connect with and try to build a relationship with them. Doing this correctly could help you gain valuable insight on initiatives, priorities, communication preference, and even the decision-making process. Number two, don't rely on others. Your success is just that, yours. 
It shouldn't come from peers, another department, or even your manager. It must come from within you. Having that mentality will help you overcome many obstacles. Don't have enough data or prospects on your call list? Find it elsewhere. Don't have all the answers to objections? Research your prospects to understand the root cause of their statement. Don't have all the tools you need to do your job? Buy them yourself. Number three, never give up. Unless a prospect tells you they've left the company they work for or the company is going out of business, don't give up on them. Simply hearing no today does not mean no forever. After six months, figure out what has changed with the person, their company, or the use case that you solve for and reach back out. That's it. Those are my takeaways, but I'd love to hear yours. Please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. I reply to every message that I get. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Let's make it rain. Thanks for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And they stay there. And they stay there. Why do you press harder on a remote control when you know the battery is dead?